0: Welcome to the televerse streaming in place gravity falls hello everyone and welcome back to streaming in place this is kate Kozak. and i'm joined by the president Emeritus of the deep chris fan club allison shoemaker allison how's it going today oh fine you know <laughs> live in life live in life live in life we're also joined by the apocalicious uh noel kirkpatrick noel how's it going
1: I'm a big can of meat.
0: (laughs) Brown meat, because the apocalypse is coming. Uh, You've been buying gold, right? 2013! (laughs) 2013! So we're here talking about Gravity Falls, Season 1, Episodes uh, 17 and 18, Boys Crazy, and Land Before Swine. Um, These are episodes that we're all very excited about. We've been excited about talking about these. Um, Noel and I have been, since we started are doing our gravity falls rewatch. Uh Marcus, I believe I remember you saying that you're excited about these as well. Allison's excited because she watched ahead by accident. Um so <laughs> you you've you know been able to join with us though in like the anticipation yeah. of of this. I got to say like in these episodes in general go through like pretty quick right for me. Like like the 20 minutes kind of goes and with boys crazy which is where we're starting. I was very surprised. I was like, wait, there's still more episodes? Like, but in a good way. I was like, they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot in 20 minutes. And I am delighted by all of it. Uh, Allison, as our resident musical TV expert here, uh, Noel and I are big fans, but, you know, you're you're our crazy ex-girlfriend expert <laughs> here. You're our, our musical theater expert. Um, how did you feel about several times and uh, and the, the arc of Mabel goes boys crazy? Um,
2: you know, I think it it's pretty great. The song is catchy. Um, and by that, I mean cray-cray, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Mabel, girl, that one's good, too, but it's not as catchy as, girl, you got me acting so cray-cray, um, which is very, very catchy. It, it reminds me a lot of two things. First, A Boy band Made Up Before Josh is from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I think, I'm assuming it also reminded the two of you of that. Um, but also of the uh the song and i can't um because it's also cray cray i want your cray cray from jessica jones
0: yep i want your cray cray
2: yeah um similarly intentionally bad but catchy um i think it's great i think it was interesting to use it as a vehicle for like um harry and the hendersons right like if you love something let it go um It was not the turn that I was expecting. Uh, Mabel getting a little bit drunk with power was um, surprising, but very effective. Uh, And it was so that whole storyline is good enough and the music is fun enough. And uh, Lance Bass's performance is good humored (laughs) enough. When I saw that in the credits, I lost my mind Um, that it sort of makes up for the fact that I just don't care about Wendy and what's his face like at all <laughs> and I think that it should bring the episode down how little I care about those two but everything else is so good that I kind of just ignore it so maybe we should talk about them first and just get it out of the way
0: well but, yeah. maybe you
2: guys like that a lot more than I did but but no nope everybody sucks
0: no what what did you think about about Robbie and uh the the mystery song that
1: is uh he stole because <laughs> of course he did yeah, of course he did. So I don't I don't like the storyline. It's not great. What I do like about it, though, is that it provides a really good B plot to the A plot in the regards that it's thematically connected about this is the power of music. This is also the frustration of music for like when you're a teen or a, t- a teenage boy and you're just like, God damn it. Why can't I play a musical instrument? If only I knew how to play Oasis on the guitar. <laughs> People would love me more.
2: Anyway, here's Wonderwall.
1: Yeah, here's Wonderwall. Um, Or I can do some John Mayer. Um, (laughs) Just all this kind of stuff. Um, So I really like it from that perspective of that kind of frustration of I have no musical talent or whatever. Even if it's clearly a terrible song, it works. In the same regards of this boy band is terrible, but clearly it works. Um, so I think that there's a good weird kind of two dual perspective on music at this particular stage in each of their, each of these characters lives that I really, really appreciate. Even if I do find the Robbie and Dipper and Wendy stuff, just really kind of flat. Um, I do like that they rope Grunkle Stan into it, which I think helps to elevate it. Cause if Grunkle Stan or Seuss were, Or, sorry, if Seuss was the primary person involved, I don't know that it would work. But Grunkle Stan just brings a whole level of angry perspective. (laughs) Plus his whole flashback, which I totally believe that flashback story happened. (laughs) Um, Pants to bell bottoms like that. Um, All of that, I think, elevates it a little bit more than if Seuss was involved or Dipper was just on his own trying to crack that particular musical nut. Um, So it's not great. It can't possibly beat... The A-plot. But I think it provides a good sort of balance of perspectives on it.
0: There's a bunch of things that that B-plot has that I think really help. A bunch of little touches that make sure that I'm fully on board. First of all, the the revelation that Grunkle Stan, who does feel very much 50s set, right, was going to the 50s themed diner in the seventies. In the seventies. That's the detail yes. I love the most. But then it's still a hippie coming in. So yes. like,
2: it's the t- I love it. It's so convoluted and amazing.
0: It's but I mean like because if you're like oh yeah he's old which you know it's twenty thirteen right so like therefore <laughs> old means like seventies old doesn't actually mean fifties but just the the energy of him is very much more like fifties right? right energy than than seventies. Energy, so like that, I thought was great, uh, delightful, and uh, I also know completely believe it's like yeah, it a little hallucinogenic there at the end, but you know, it was the seventies, so, um, so that that's delightful. We're just gonna
1: skip over any potential Nam stuff, and De- just-
0: oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Um, then second, uh, it's essential that the song that Robbie air quotes wrote is terrible. Yeah, it's it's very important that it be terrible, not. To, like, slag on on Robbie, but because I feel like for this story point, especially with teenagers, the song has to be bad. Because if the Mm -hmm. song is actually good, that requires too many other things, right? Like, that would require... If Robbie was actually really good at writing music, that would take... That would mean that he was spending a lot of time on it. That would mean that he was, like, really dedicated to his craft. That would mean, like, that he... the kind of character Robbie is is not someone who can be good at writing songs because he is not thoughtful <laughs> or interesting enough for that. So it's like the sheen of I mean, and and that might be that would be more threatening, right? Because it's somebody who's actually having and exploring these more profound things, um, or just or or is just if you're going the pop route, just like has a very strong connection with music. Meaning that they would be spending all their time doing it, um, so and then therefore not hanging out with Wendy enough. So like, it's it's the non-threatening part of it that is essential to this stuff as well. So and then as the musician of of the group, uh, um, yeah, like. Yeah, women, ladies love a musician. Let me tell you, they're not swooning over the person going home and practicing three hours every day on their violin. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dedicated, like has no weekends off because they've been going to group lessons since they were six. And like, no, <laughs> like if they're in that community, absolutely. But like, there's a reason it's like the the stereotype is like the slacker guy who um, like plays three chords and it's like surprisingly deep. <laughs> My favorite song, my favorite poems, are rock music, right? Like that kind of thing, right? Because it's not—it's very superficial. Morrison
1: <laughs> just really gets me, man.
0: Yeah. Um. So so like that's an essential part of it. So I I liked that thread as well. Um. And like the the refrain of "We're non-threatening." Um. With all of the the all of the really cringy. Coding for several times and everything in there as well. It's it's delightful and the absolute lack of um of any sort of reflection around how Wendy's feeling from Robbie, but also from Dipper, and that the that the, the episode really hits that home in a way that um in previous episodes they have not taken you know, cared to. So like for me, there's all these different little things that really contribute to me enjoying that part that subplot without caring even a little bit <laughs> about <laughs> Dipper and Wendy
2: okay you've convinced me that's a really solid argument I, I feel that
0: well and, and, and if anything I I um, when I the more I think about and break down different parts of the episode the more I think the subplot stands up for me despite the weakness of the characterization for Wendy um, and the the less the several times part holds up um, because it, it it's just Joke after joke after joke, it's delightful, it's super fun, but there's not a lot of there there, really, um for me, and I'm curious if that's just me uh so so while I have a lot of fun with that, if I start like trying to oh are they talking about like the different characterizations of what like you know sociologically the target audience of of tweens is looking for in projections of masculinity, and like no, they're not doing any of that, they don't actually get into things on the level of like with like the different uh members of the band, the, the as much as even just a boy band made of four Joshes does. <laughs> you know, like I want more depth with the, the, the characterization of them, but I don't know that there's time. You'd have to lose some of the hijinks and I'm not sure I'm willing to sacrifice them. Yeah, I think a part of what I
2: got into from a more intellectual perspective was Um, that the two most important figures are, I'm not going to remember his name because I'm terrible with names, the terrifying music producer, very obviously modeled on any number of real life figures who are Mm -hmm. monstrous, like real monstrous people um, out there in the world. Uh, Certainly not all music producers are monstrous. I'm not saying that. But um, if you Google a little, just a little music history about the history of boy bands, it's not going to be hard for you to find. Um, uh, But then that there's also, I think, a, and I'm probably projecting a little bit here, but an interesting way of looking at it through the lens of fandom, right like what boundaries we're willing to cross and ownership we are we feel that we have of people who are completely unrelated to us who have their own lives and their own existence and their own agency. Um, And I think that that can be really poisonous. Like feeling like you're a part of a community and you care about something can be so valuable and so enriching. And then the line between valuable and enriching and toxic and thoughtless and damaging can be really slim. And it's not subtle the way that Mabel crosses over it. Like right right around the time she gets on board the braid train, it's all over for those dudes. Um, But I think that that, has a little more heft to it, I guess, but I agree. I wanted more distinction between the uh, several times members who seem maybe purposefully interchangeable. Um, Yeah. The thing that tripped me up with this one is actually there are are kind of, and I might not have noticed if I hadn't accidentally watched ahead again. Um, (laughs) I don't know what's
0: wrong with me, Um, but there are quite a lot of fat jokes. Um, There's a lot. At Grenda's expense. Eat, and they, they make sure to throw in that Deep Chris is the fat one. And then there's a lot of fat jokes about Grenda that are really yeah. glaring.
2: And there are there are jokes about fat hands. There are jokes. Um, there are some, And it's not the first time I've noticed it, but it really stuck out to me on this viewing. Because there are also a few in one of the episodes we'll be watching for Wednesday. Um, and I think that that's too bad. And it's sort of a product it doesn't mean it's okay but it's sort of a product at the time i think our conversation around fat phobia and body positivity and fat positivity and all of that has evolved a lot since 2013 but and certainly my awareness of it has shifted a lot but but that stuck out to me um i feel kind of uncomfy about grenda in general Uh, i would die for candy um but i but I feel a little bit weird about Grenda. I'm glad that they got more
0: to do in this episode, though. Candy, in particular, I just, I just love her. <laughs> well, I really like Grenda. Um, I just want the show to stop hurting her because I like Grenda. Yeah. It's like, yeah. why are you doing this to her? It's so mean, and you don't notice or care or both. Um, yeah.
1: Noel, any thoughts? I feel like it doesn't get much. Better just because of like the weird turnaround for animation is basically you're always working, you're always churning it out pretty much. Um, so there's not a lot of time to retool and reflect um, until you're renewed to two years ahead of where you're supposed where you already are, and then you get time to rethink and retool everything. Um, but until then, you don't have any time because you're just constantly in a churn. And so I, th- I don't know that it improves a lot. Um, I ended up watching, like, a random season two episode that actually had Grinda in it really prominently last night. And um, it was fine. I was actually really kind of surprised. Um, so that was a relief. But it was also focused on a lot of other different things. So maybe they're just... They just went, no space. Don't worry about it. Um, but I was just like, meh. So, yeah, it, it isn't good. And I don't like it. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, Marcus has a few comments we got to throw in
0: here. First of all, there's a reason why, in The Good Place, one stage of Demon was boy band producer. Uh, Excellent reference there, Marcus. Absolutely. Uh, Marcus also says, Deep Chris was the one with the hat, and that's the only way I could identify him. Which is, yep, me too. And with Grenda, Marcus says, she's too often the butt of the joke. And she's constantly the butt of the joke. Um, But it's not... a it's a joke at her expense by the show rather than by the other characters. And it's so strange to have that disconnect between what it like. The, I don't feel like any of the characters in the show would say any of this stuff that the show is saying about her. The, the characters in the show are kinder to her than the show is to her, which is not something I'm used to seeing. And maybe I just need to be looking for that more in my programming. But it's really it's really jarring. And yeah. We're, I'm Team Grenda, just not how y'all are. It's not her fault; she's drawn that way. Um, uh, so yeah, just, just hope they stop. I don't. I, as I recall, no, they don't stop writing her that way uh, or writing about her in that way, um, mm-hmm. which is disappointing. Um, let me see. Any other things we wanted to make sure to mention for this episode? We've we've shot out shouted out Lance Bass, who is delightful, as all That's of the so several times. Good. It's It's so, I mean, it's
2: really, it adds to the surreality of it. Um, The fact that their voices are basically interchangeable and that they all, and every once in a while, one of them will sound just a little bit different, right? But I think the fact that you have a hard time distinguishing them makes it that much weirder. The animation itself is so unsettling in like, it perfectly balances. This is so creepy. And this is so funny. Every time they try to drink water, eating the tape um <laughs> kissing the tree.
1: Licking like, the can hit real differently this week because of Drag Race. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But I when I watched this the first time, I didn't catch Lance Bass's name in the credits. Mm, uh okay. so I didn't know it until this time and it it greatly increased my enjoyment retroactively because just bless that's wonderful um anybody listening who didn't have a boy band phase um you should know that there are little tiny references to lots of boy bands here there several of them look identifiably just a little bit like prominent members of the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or New Kids on the Block or whatever else um but most notably one of the uh stages of man but like Mm -hmm. test tubes is doing a piece of choreography from bye 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 um the which is an nsync song who Lance bass was a member of nsync um so that was really smart and fun and yeah i just had the best time with this episode i like how
1: you're implying that we're not in a current boy band craze right now of BTS. that's true that's just true. the entirety of the world
2: oh no that's absolutely true <laughs> yeah. i uh don't i i don't have a, a toe in the bts yeah, do really don't i see yeah. their commercials and they're very cute boys
1: um and that's about all i very know very cute young men and i like them and i would like to give them a heart candy <laughs> <laughs> um but the
2: as a person who grew up in the in the age of mm-hmm. Backstreets back, all right. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like those are references worth pointing out.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, Marcus says they also have the skill to naturally sing and auto tune. Important. Uh, Im- important. Well, because that's part of the cloning process, right? Right.
1: That that's just CRISPR work, right there. That's that's just proto CRISPR stuff. Like you just in, s- splice that in, and it's there. Yeah. It's right there.
0: Um, well, I expected to really enjoy this episode. Uh, I did not remember uh, or expect to really enjoy the next episode, which is Land Before Swine. Um But I should have because I knew it's a Waddle-centric episode. And if it's a Waddle-centric episode, I'm going to love it. And I did. It was great. It was super fun. Uh, Noel, what did you think of this one? Did it live up to your memory or did it surpass your memory like it did for me?
1: I don't think I'd seen this one. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> So this was my first time getting to watch it. I think I had seen maybe like a little bit of it like while waiting for like another episode to start um, in Disney's various reruns of the show where I just caught some of it. So I think I'd seen like the climax of it, but I had never actually seen the episode all the way through. So this was actually a lot of fun and I enjoyed like the various, I mean, Stan just deciding to go full John Hammond, just yes, (laughs) please and thank you. The difference being that Grunkle Stan will spare all expense. And it will just be terrible. Um, but yeah, no, all the Jurassic Park stuff I thought was really, really funny, down to if we stand in a straight line, they can't see us. (laughs) Um which i think is kind of grounded in science but i can't quite remember um i know that for some animals that have that kind of um vision that that actually tracks in some cases but it was just good but i also really really liked getting some seuss and dipper conflict which i think we were overdue for and having it explored here and giving seuss a really legitimate win I thought really was really, really good. So I enjoyed this episode. I thought it had a lot of things that I really liked with it. And as Marcus points out, it is mainly with prey, though, not with predators that have that vision thing. So like sheep and like lamb, I think, have that um, where they can't see anything that's directly, directly in front of them. Um, but yeah, so it was good. It was great. And I just enjoy Stan getting on board the Waddles train because we all need to be on the Waddles train. Allison, how did you feel about this?
2: I mean, I agree that we all need to be on the Waddles train. I'm a little offended that we didn't start by talking about the pig dance party, um, (laughs) which to me is really, like, everything else was just gravy. The episode could have ended after the pig dance party when Mabel pokes Waddles, and then they're in the same pose. And that would have been fine. It still would have been like,
1: top five episode. Um, They have Gravity Fall shorts available that you can watch and may scratch that particular itch. None of them are quite that good, I think. Okay. But. I'm going to have to check them out. They
2: keep being suggested to me on Disney Plus now. So, um, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode as well. I think it's good to have Stan get a win and also, um, I guess feel a little shamed and recognize how much he cares about these kids, um, Plus, you got to punch a pterodactyl in the face. Like, how often does the elaborate lie you tell about yourself then actually come true? That never happens. Um, uh, Old Man McGuffin? McGucket. McGucket. Uh, Of course not McGuffin. Um, I think is a great addition to this episode. He he doesn't always work for me when he pops up. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it. But here, I mean, if only for I ate my way out of a dinosaur, which is just a wonderful capper... Um, I think his presence here really works. Um, Again, the streak of the surreal which, spoiler, gets more surreal in the next episode. Is oh, really... Allison,
1: you've got no idea.
2: I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so into it. I cannot wait until Wednesday. Um, I can't wait. Uh, but I think that that sort of emphasizes this piece of it. Like it feels just a little weirder and a little more isolated and a little more alternate world-y um, when, it, when everything feels smaller, I guess. Um, so I really much enjoyed that, uh, and I, then I also want to say that Jurassic Sap Hole is such a pure joke. Every once in a while, you are just like that is a perfect joke, and Jurassic Sap Hole is a is a perfect joke. No notes, played exactly right. Vocal performance, timing, delivery, play everything tens across the board for Jurassic Sap Hole. What a solid joke!
0: Yeah, this one, um, the, I I think it's it's well balanced. Uh, throughout, with the characters, with the um, like the, the escalation of the conflicts, with the resolutions, um, just having McGucket there so he can get eaten, and then pop up later to reassure, "I'm fine," ah! <laughs> you know.
1: He got and, his spoons back. That's really
0: important. That's well. I mean, I think that he you know, worth it basically mm-hmm. to get the spoons back. Very important. Um, so yeah, there, there's because he's been popping up here and there, and I agree he works to varying effects, but having uh, something, someone else there, you know, I think he fits really well in that role in a way that I can't imagine other characters in this kind of world working. Um, I also really appreciate that he gets eaten and it's not like we have to save him. It's like, no, you are, you guys are 12 and I am 22. We are getting out of here. <laughs> and and Seuss being like, I am the adult. Granted, I'm Seuss, but I am the adult. Let me do, let me adult here. Let's. Believe me, follow me, We're gonna. I'm going to get you guys safe. Um, in a way that d- doesn't necessarily... I don't think would necessarily register in the same way to a kid audience, but to an adult audience, I think really, at least for me, really came through. I appreciate the the straight-up win that they give him. Because um, it's very easy for Seuss to too often be the punching bag. And the show's pretty aware of when they're doing it, and um, I think they balance that nicely by having him be, like, aware of but chill about some of that stuff, right? And be like, eh, I don't really care. I don't care what you think. I, I, he's comfortable with himself, right? So he's not all that concerned about how other people feel about him most of the time. Um, so I like that he straight up gets a win. I like uh, that that um, that we get to see him succeed uh, and that they spent the energy and the time on that Dipper-Seuss relationship. Uh, I cannot be the only one. Who's sitting there thinking they would be scalded instantly? Geysers are hot.
1: <laughs> My partner was yelling at the TV screen about that. Put them
0: on top, like, like at least have them be on the rock on top of it, right? Like that would make slightly more sense. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, can't. I um. I was more hung up on why does
2: hitting the side of the geyser work? But for all I know, there's a scientific basis for that. All. Mm, mm, uh, I'm I just I feel like I feel like maybe the plausibility train yeah I am on the brain train I'm gonna let the plausibility train pass by
0: fair enough. Um do we have any other moments or things you wanted to shout out? I like the uh the just the visual of like the the baby carrier that can also carry pigs. Oh my
2: god. Yeah. The um the as seen on TV ads, both the the one we see with the it carries pigs and the one that we see in the closing credits are really funny and um made me laugh a lot. <laughs> also, I do want to I kept thinking like this, here's a good point. It's not anywhere near Appa's lost days in terms of trauma, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think that Gravity Falls has a pretty good understanding of how pure and irrational love for a pet can be. Because the line in that commercial that gets me is, feel your pig's heartbeat next to yours! <laughs> I was <laughs> like, you know what? I do want that. I do want that. Um, that's... That's the kind of th- it. Just is honest. It doesn't make any sense, but it's the kind of thing that when you have a pet and you love that pet, and who doesn't love their pet? Monsters. Um, it that it, it, it resonates.
0: Mm-hmm. Marcus says riding a rock on a geyser would be a very video game move. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, this straight out of like a. Uh, well, I guess it makes me think of um, Super Mario Brothers. Um, since that was one of video games of choice as a kid uh, on our on our SNES. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the 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 pure love for Waddles from Mabel is something that I never tire of, um, <laughs> and like just the animation when, <laughs> when Grunkle Stan is talking to, oh, you're gonna guilt me, you're gonna guilt me now, just like just Waddles, just looking, just blank, you know, it's like you know, it's delightful. It's just exactly right. Um, I, I have, I, I there's a lot of. For me, the previous episode has a lot more I can like crack into and think about what if they're saying something about you know. All blah, blah, blah. And this one, I'm just like, no, it's just it's just let's punch a pterodactyl. <laughs> um, and Marcus rightly says, I would also say the pure love of Mabel by Waddles. Yes, it is. It is a pure human and pig companion love of uh, you know friendship and sweaters.
2: Oh, those matching sweaters. <laughs> the sweaters are
0: so good.
2: <laughs> so good.
1: I was kind of confused why she couldn't just take Waddles with her into town, mm-hmm. but.
0: Waddles is very well behaved.
1: I feel like Gravity yeah. Falls wouldn't care.
0: I mean, they're, they're ready for a talking pig. They can certainly yeah. be ready for regular Waddles.
1: Yeah.
2: Also, I sort of don't buy that Mabel doesn't own a leash for Waddles. She's a responsible yeah. pig owner. Yeah. She definitely could have brought him with her. Like a
0: harness with a, yeah. Absolutely. Plus, on
2: the way back, she would have just been able to put him
0: there. Yeah. in the carrier. Yeah. I for pigs.
1: <laughs> for, it works for pigs
0: <laughs> <laughs> well do we have any final thoughts on this episode and Marcus, thumbs up to do, both of them
1: that's my final thought
0: Throw it in the chat yeah
1: yeah um no i don't really have anything i guess we should ask allison to tease the <laughs> well, next two my episodes question is, i've <laughs> only did seen you watch- one
0: yeah. Okay. Huh. So the next we next on Wednesday we're gonna finish out season one by talking about episodes nineteen and twenty. Uh, episode nineteen is Dreamscaperers, which is I think an excellent title, and episode twenty is Gideon Rises. This is a two parter, which is the season finale. Um, Allison, you've seen the first but not the second. Any spoiler free teases you would like to give about the first, and any spoiler free predictions for the the last. Given that you've seen the second to last of so that, may shape things for you.
2: Uh, I don't want to make predictions about the last, lest I unconsciously give something away. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So uh, I'll I'll say I'm looking forward to it, and it's a very promising title um, for dreamscapers, What I will tease is that uh, it made me think about both Twin Peaks and Steven Universe, and I feel like that's a pretty good place to live. I'm very interested in the center of that Venn diagram. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
2: Yeah. Like I'm really into that. So David
1: Lynch loves Steven universe. God,
2: I hope so. Why didn't they get David Lynch to do a voice on Steven universe? Like someone needs (laughs) to get Rebecca sugar on the phone. That is a huge missed opportunity. And actually speaking of both missed opportunities, vocal performances and characters on this show, um, the same is true as much as I enjoy and by enjoy I mean hate Lil Gideon uh, mm-hmm. huge missed opportunity to not have that character voiced by Leslie Jordan um, mm-hmm. be- I was watching when I was watching today, yeah. I was like, oh, this is basically this is basically it's Leslie basically Jordan, Leslie but a Jordan. child. Yeah. Why didn't they just get Leslie Jordan? um It's still uh, obviously great as is, but Leslie yeah.
1: Jordan's more expensive than
2: <laughs> true that's fair. <laughs> most voice
1: actors that you're gonna yeah. hire. Um,
2: <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I really enjoyed and was startled by, um, dreamscapeers and I'm super excited to talk
0: about it. So now maybe you're getting a little more of what we were hinting at yes. with the Lodge 49 connection. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I didn't realize it was going to take us until the finale to get there, but hey, we're getting there. Noel, any spoiler-free hints or thoughts or just, no? No, just I'm for excited. It?
1: I'm, yeah. I'm really eager to... I'm eager to get into season 2. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, very much so. Well, and and that I think uh is a good place to conclude our episode. Uh we're going to be having our finale on Wednesday. We're going to uh decide whether we're taking um a break from Gravity Falls or diving right into season 2. And we'll let you guys know about that on Wednesday. Uh but also let us not let us let us not fail to mark the occasion. Um a year ago tomorrow we started this. <laughs> podcast.
1: <laughs> so we started Listeners, Allison has um, March 23rd <laughs> of
0: 2020 was our first episode of streaming in place with Lucifer season one. Um, so, hey, cheers to all y'all. Uh, we're still here. <laughs> yes. I'm still here. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a not zero
2: chance that civilization was straight up going to collapse between when we started this and when we didn't. So I feel like but I'm here is a great place to leave it. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yep.
0: I love you guys. Thank you for keeping
2: <laughs> me sane this year.
0: Aww. Oh, thank and. You. That- Thank, thank you to my fabulous co-host and everybody who's, you know, come on the podcast over the past year, yep. uh, both our guests and our, our listeners. Marcus, thank you for hanging out with us for so long. And uh, shout out to the Caldwells and to Tanya and, uh, and, and also, you know, like, you know, there's been a, a handful of others who have dropped by in and out as well. But, um, and of course, obviously, friend of the show, Latoya Ferguson. But um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a year. It's officially <laughs> tomorrow. Is officially a year for us here. So <sighs> vaccines on the horizon for many of us. Well, hopefully, one of
1: us already has half of hers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah. I
2: got my first vaccine last Monday. I've, I'm I, I'm feeling whatever. This is not an on mic conversation, but no. I'm <laughs> I feel like the the celebratory. I got my first dose of the vaccine thing is both great and like really complicated. And I had a Mm -hmm. a very uh, overwhelming emotional reaction to it. But yes, I got my first dose last week. I feel um, I feel uh, still at risk, but slightly safer. And the uh, and the knowledge that so many people are starting to get theirs is is incredibly uh, exciting.
1: You got really? that studded leather armor instead of that leather armor. Totally,
2: exactly. It's like I just, like I've got maybe a, maybe like a doublet that's going to become a magic item once I reach a level ten.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, uh, on that note, thank you, Marcus, for listening and hanging out and joining and sharing your thoughts in the chat. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday to finish up season one of Gravity Falls. Bye. Bye. <laughs>